2, 1. You have found the 542 and the Blue Podcast. Discussions of law enforcement, history, issues and incidents in the Appalachian Mountains, and beyond. Hosted by retired police detective, sergeant, author and researcher, Scott Lunsford. Today's Shade of Blue, for 5 for 2 and the Blue is the story of an arrest in 2020 for the murder of a 14-year-old in 1991. A cold case solved. This is Victoria your produce and engineer. Background theme. Lazy Day provided by purpleplant.com music. Used with permission and authorized. Scott. You are on the air now. 3, 2, 1. Thank you Vicky, for the introduction. Scott. We've talked about this before. Yes. Thank you. I'm s- Yes, I'm sorry. You don't like me referring to you as Richard. Yes, I'm sorry. Thank you, Victoria, for the introduction. Thank you. Welcome to today's Shade of Blue story for 542 in the Blue. We are going to discuss today a cold case investigation, a missing person case, and a murder, and a homicide. Our Shade of Blue for today We're going to start in April 1991. Now this was the last time a young man, a 14-year-old young man from Russellville, Missouri, Gregory Jones, was last seen by his parents. He was hanging out according to the missing person report that was filed in a creek bed about 300 yards away from his house in rural Cole County, Missouri. Now when the 8th grader and Boy Scout did not come home for supper and it started getting darker, his family reported the 14-year-old missing to the Sheriff's Department. A two-day search was launched for the missing young man almost immediately after he was reported missing. This included aerial checks of the creek area and a close look at a nearby river as well as aerial investigation of the river itself. At one point investigators thought Jones might have actually run away. There had been several tips that were called in. Jones was alleged to have been spotted several times at a Jefferson City shopping mall and in the town of California and Tipton which were in the next county. Friends and classmates were interviewed and no real usable information was obtained at first at the start of the investigation. Now the investigation was six weeks old when a body was discovered. The body was of a young man found by a farm worker in a drainage ditch on June 8th. The sheriff ordered an autopsy and it was confirmed to be the missing juvenile. The exam documented that the boy was shot and killed the day he was last seen and reported missing. The sheriff's department at that point had a homicide. Now the sheriff at that time for Cole County, John Hemer, John Hemer, held regular press briefings and conferences after the body was found, but a lack of progress in the investigation in finding the killer or killers of the 14-year-old ended up causing him to cut back on his press releases and 
he canceled his regular news briefings about the case. And this was after two weeks of nearly daily news conferences and updates that were put out to the press and the public. The sheriff said the murder investigation slowed and he finally ended up just ending the news conferences themselves. The news briefings would not resume until there was something to report, according to the sheriff. The murder itself had shocked the residents of Cole County and everyone was kind of looking over their shoulders and hoping for a quick conclusion to the investigation. Now, as is typical in such investigations, investigators have to develop suspects and possible motives in the killing while going through tips and speculation of individuals, suspects, and possible persons of interest who had to be eliminated in the hopes of the remaining one would be the killer. And the same, of course, goes with finding motives for the killing. Tips and reported sightings of a noisy red pickup truck in the area of the slaying came into the investigation, but detectives were unable to locate the vehicle or make any connection of that vehicle or one similar to it or any vehicle to the investigation at that time. It takes a lot of time and man hours to locate and follow up on these tips and uncovered information in any type of investigation. And this is actually one of the most tedious parts of an investigation when you get down to it. A large part of the investigation, according to the news reports of the time in 1991, centered around Gregory's record of school fights and arguments. Three juveniles with whom he had fought or argued with right before he went missing were cleared as possible suspects after they underwent polygraph exams, according to the sheriff uh, in what he told the news in 1991. I find it interesting that they were giving polygraph tests to juveniles at that time. I was working in juvenile investigations myself in 1991 and we did not even think about giving polygraph exams to juveniles but this is the state of Missouri and I worked in the state of North Carolina now in some of the news briefings and media reports the sheriff told reporters that he had been surprised by an undercurrent of violence among the rural teenagers in his area country kids for whom handling firearms was just a way of life it could be simple insults or just trivial matters, he said, that could develop into violence. And he was quoted in one article as saying, I've been surprised at the willingness of some of these young people to fight. Now the investigation could not show if Gregory's killing by at least two rounds was because of a disagreement or argument with one of his peers or somebody else. Robbery, drugs, and sexual assault were also eliminated were also eliminated as possible motives for the killing of the young man. There was one arrest made at that time frame in 1991 in June. A William Nimet was first arrested just days after the body was located. William Nimet was 14 years old at the time, the same age as the missing kid the same age as our victim and the case was actually heard in Missouri Juvenile Court of course because it was a juvenile case uh, the juvenile court records 
and files of what occurred are sealed and not available to be reviewed. And it's not clear whether what exactly NIMET was actually charged with according to any records I could find. Whatever the charges, the juvenile court case ended up being dropped and closed. Now, six years later, at the age of 20, NIMET filed a federal civil rights violation lawsuit against the county and the sheriff. This was in 1997. The federal lawsuit alleged the sheriff used false information to imprison NIMET in order to sweat out a confession to the murder. Federal court documents that are available to be reviewed online stated that NIMET was detained by Cole County for four weeks in 1991 as a suspect in Jones' death before he was actually criminally charged in juvenile court. Now after review of the allegation, the federal court tossed out this lawsuit. They reasoned that NIMET had not been able to provide any evidence or proof that the sheriff or his investigators had fabricated any evidence or statements against him. And when you make a charge, you just have to have probable cause that the person may have done it. The final conviction, of course, in front of a judge or in front of a jury requires beyond a reasonable doubt that the incident occurred. Simple facts that anybody who's really watched TV or read a Perry Mason novel already knows. Now, as time went on, the original investigation turned colder. What few leads that came in were rumor and innuendo and could not be developed any further or could not produce a motive of the killer or a person of interest. Just because a case gets cold doesn't mean that it's forgotten. Now let's move forward to February 2020. Current Cole County Prosecutor and District Attorney Locke Thompson recently held a news conference to announce a first-degree murder charge in the killing of 14-year-old Gregory Jones. The District Attorney stated that advances in forensic technology that weren't available in 1991 had finally led to an arrest. It was released that at the time of the original investigation, several friends of the victim had come forward claiming another 14-year-old had told them and or bragged to them that he was responsible for Gregory's murder. Three witnesses reporting this juvenile had told them about the murder before the body was found. Apparently, this being hearsay evidence and was not enough to obtain a conviction of beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, who was the juvenile that the witnesses were indicating had bragged about? Who had bragged about killing the, the victim? This is none other than one of the original persons of interest. William Christopher Nyman of Fulton County, Missouri. He was arrested based on the forensic evidence that was obtained. Today, in 2020, 
He was the owner or is the owner of the Golden Corral franchise in Quincy, Missouri. The probable cause for the first degree murder charge of 2020 reads that on April 24th, 1991, Jones went missing from the area near his home. This prompted his family to file a missing person report. Jones' decomposed body was discovered on June 8th, with the cause of death being listed as homicide by gunfire. He had two bullet wounds to the head. Nymet was a classmate of Jones and lived approximately one mile from where Jones' body was found. That night, he had arrived home around 9 p.m. on his four-wheeler. This was about 30 minutes after two gunshots were heard in the area by the victim's father, brother, and some other neighbors. Now, according to a witness, the suspect had what appeared to have been blood on his clothes when he got home. He poured bleach on his pants and attempted to wash his clothes that he had been wearing. Now, this same night after the missing person report had been filed, Deputy Sheriff David Shapurl went to Nymet's residence looking for Jones. He documented and reported that Nymet was wearing only his underwear when he spoke to him. Now, according to witnesses, Nymet called his father immediately after the deputy left and took the phone outside to have a conversation, which the witnesses said was unusual behavior. Now, during the search for Jones on April 25, 1991, this same deputy had observed tracks in the area where Jones' body was found. Now, the tracks were very distinct and were later found to have been made by a four-wheeler with two front-end car tires and two rear-end knobby tires. The four-wheeler that Chris was operating the night of the murder had this same tire pattern mounted on his 4x4. But apparently that was a common way in that location to have your four-wheeler uh, equipped. He was also reported in the original investigation file that prior to Greg Jones' disappearances, Nyman had told a witness that Jones was going to come up missing because he was going to kill him. Now, in addition to this, in February of 1991, a witness stated he observed Nymet with a pistol on the school bus. The gun was described as a revolver with wooden grips. Now, this was not the only time Nymet was connected to a suspicious death. In 2005, Shawanda Reed was shot to death a year after purchasing a home from Nymet and another man. Nymet ended up collecting $150,000 in life insurance after Reed died. Now, Reed's family sued Liberty Life Insurance after her death, claiming the company was negligent in paying out the policy to Nymet. The family claimed that Nymet and his business partner and Reed's husband, John Reed, had conspired to kill her. The lawsuit was eventually settled for $100,000 and the money split between Reed's mother, 
and her three children. Now, American Life Insurance of New York also filed a federal, a federal lawsuit following Reed's death before paying a second life insurance policy. The lawsuit claims that Fulton police had called them telling them that Nymet and Carnes and John Reed were persons of interest in Reed's death. The party settled the lawsuit for $150,000 again that ended up being split between the four of them. Now the payout in the lawsuit that said Nymet was a person of interest in the woman's killing led to more investigations, but in 2005, no criminal charges were filed in that case. Nymet was only listed as a possible suspect in the investigation and a possible suspect in insurance fraud. Now again, looking and reviewing the statement of probable cause that was filed in the arrest made in 2020. A Mr. Zink, who had lived next door to the suspect, he owned a Ruger Police Service 6 357 Magnum revolver. Now hearing of the murder back in 1991, he went and checked and discovered that his gun was missing. This was, he checked in 1991. Zink reported the pistol stolen to the Sheriff's Department on June 17, 1991. And this was suspected to be the weapon used in the killing of the 14-year-old. Zink reported that it was not uncommon for Nymet when he was a young man to be in his home and had been so in the months prior to the murder and that he was a frequent visitor there. Now as most people are familiar with firearms, they know that the 357 can also fire 38 special ammunition. And the 38 ammunition was the type of round that was recovered in the skull of the victim. 38 special wad cutter ammunition they found was also recovered in the execution of a search warrant of Nymet's home. And again, over the course of the original investigation, several witnesses had come forward stating that Nymet had claimed responsibility for the murder of Jones prior to Jones's body being filed. Now, according to Missouri state law, in this case, a person found guilty of first-degree murder who was under the age of 18 at the time of the offense, if they're convicted, they will be sentenced to life without being eligible for probation or parole. Because of the 2020 arrest, several media sources attempted to contact Nymet's company, MDB Restaurants, the company that owns Quincy's Golden Corral franchise, and they issued the following statement. We are aware of the ongoing law enforcement matter involving our restaurant president, Chris Nymet. Mr. Nymet is a respected business leader who has provided employment opportunities for many in the community. We offer our support to Mr. Nymet and his family at the difficult time and our heartfelt sympathies to the victim's family. Now, a classmate of both of the young men was interviewed after he was arrested in 2020 
and he remembered the 1991 murder case and that it played a large part of his life when he was younger as it did and made impact on a lot of the young people in that time period. Mr. Sternbergen said that he thought of Jones and Nymet as being friends and he went on to say further, I feel like because of their being a little bit ostracized by the other kids in the community, they kind of hung out by default together. Even though they did hang out, they often fought a lot. And it, this was reported in a couple of the local newspapers after adult Nymet was arrested. Now, of course, let's not forget that Nymet has not been convicted of any crimes related to the death in 1991 or the death in 2005. A person is and should be thought of as innocent until found guilty by a jury of their peers. This is yet to have happened. In reality, may not happen. 542 in the Blue podcast will be watching the case, looking for an outcome and a verdict. And we will try to keep you informed if and when that happens. Now, in the meantime, don't forget to check out my website at scottluntsfordauthor.com for more information on this podcast and my published fiction and nonfiction books. They can be found at amazon.com or your favorite bookstore. I can also be reached through the contact page on the website, and I would really like to hear from you, getting comments or suggestions and possible ideas for research for upcoming podcasts. They're very much welcome. Thank you for listening. And in the coming weeks, let's all try to be safe and be secure. And don't forget, do something nice for someone. It will do both of you a whole lot of good. Vicki, excuse me, Victoria, can you close us out? You have been listening to the 542 and the Blue Podcast. Discussions of law enforcement history, issues and incidents in the Appalachian Mountains and surrounding areas. Hosted by author and researcher Scott Lunsford. For more information, go to scottlunsfordauthor.com. For more information on Scott's books and how to order them, Scott can also be reached through the message portal there. This is Victoria. Thank you for listening. 1, 2, 3.